everybody. Welcome to the Far Out Podcast at faroutpodcast.com. It's my pleasure to be here, and sitting to my right is the one and only Fantastic with the amazingly wet hair, slick down look. It is the great Buck Perez. Hola, how you doing? How you doing? That was, I think that was Buck Perez. Yeah, exactly, that's what I'm saying, the hola, I gotta... You just know. take a shower or something before yes. the shower? <laughs> it is hot in Long Beach today. Or Put the sorry, hose Lakewood. on your head yes, or whatever? Exactly. Nice. Take a little spritzer, just <laughs> time for myself, you know. Okay. <laughs> Gonna be an extra on Grease 3. Yeah, so, thank you. <laughs> well, in fact, someone said I look like John Turturro in, in the picture you put up, so we gotta we gotta change that picture of me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, That's a good picture. Kinda, Sarah took a kinda, great photo. It was kind of Miller's Crossing. Whoa. Yeah. 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 John Turturro, not good. And yeah. also sitting in front of me is the great John Salwin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think possibly. I th- <laughs> yes. I think, given the fact that we do the show out of the Los Angeles area, I think that having a Perez on the show might be good just for numbers, just so we can get the Hispanic audience in. Just so, if you can kind of Hispanic it up a bit, the show that would be awesome. What should he do to Hispanic yes. it up, Todd? I don't know. Like, <laughs> start dancing. What? <laughs> have, a, have a big ass or something. Jesus. All right. I'll try. Last name is Lopez. First name Jennifer or something like that. Yes, Jennifer. He's dancing with a big ass. All right. Today's topic is Buck just insured his ass for two million dollars. Let's talk about it. (laughs) That's right. Wow. Oh boy. That's not a lot. From Mother Jones. Speaking of non-Hispanic things, I was at the Orange County Fair (laughs) last week. Yeah, sounds non-Hispanic. And I love going to the OC Fair because you sit and you eat deep fried foods. Yeah. And you get really tanked on overpriced beer. Chocolate covered bacon. And there's rednecks everywhere. Yes. Have you ever had that? No. It's actually pretty good. Heard it. They announce it. They advertise it. It's like salty chocolate. It's good. Interesting. But uh, so I, I went to the OC Fair, and then we wanted to cool off because it was a little hot at the fairground. So they had this area in what looked like kind of like a airport hangar with seats, and there was like a, a metal band playing. <laughs> nice. Nice. And there was probably about seating for about 3,000 people, and there was about 120 people just sitting around watching this band. Oh, boy. And it was like a, a metal band, but the funny thing was that the, there was a lead singer who was a chick. Okay. And she was dressed like she went to the Gap earlier that day. Okay. But she had that like ethereal metal chick voice. Okay. You know you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it was like Paramore or something? <laughs> The, girl, uh, she, the foremost metal band of our time, right? <laughs> right. Paramore. When I'm thinking metal. <laughs> yeah. Paramore, wow. yes. Screams Paramore. Haley from Paramore, yes. She's kind of cute, though. Yeah, I guess. So, like, she was singing, and then to her left, so she was dressed like the Gap. Right? Yeah. And these, these people are all, like, high school age. And then there was a guy who looked like he just got kicked out of Rancid on guitar with, like, this massive mohawk. Okay. Nice. And then there was, like, the indie rock guy on bass. James Eha. Right. Well, no, the, you know, the guy just looked like he just got kicked out of Death Cab for cutie. Oh, God. Do they even have a bassist? I thought they did all their st- tracks by mail. Oh, no, wait, that was the Postal Service. <laughs> oh, gee. There yeah. he goes. Which basically is Death Cab for cutie. But. Yeah, I, I can't get behind the Death Cab, by the way. Yeah, me neither. But uh, so, so I was watching this band, and it was funny because everybody looked like they're in a different band. Awesome. And, and then. None of them looked like it was a death metal band. So you had the chick doing this singing, there was like these. Metal riffs, yeah. you know, big metal riffs. The guitar players were good, you know. And then there was a guy with the Jaguar voice. Wow! Like that, that like metal. And it does that, like, I can't make the sound, but it's like that. Singing from the bowels of his lungs. Yeah. Singing from his asshole. And so it said, this goes like, and then this, Jaguar. Like, like singing. And I was like, man, this is, it's like, 
I was listening to four different bands. Mm-hmm. And then shit got hectic. <laughs> then some fucker came out with a Jason mask and just was standing on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and is it was he part of the band or is he going to hack him up yeah. or what? I don't know, it actually man. was Jason? Yeah, it wasn't scary at all. Right. And it was like some guy with a hoodie and a Jason mask and he just stands there next to the guitar player staring at him. <laughs> and I was like... What the fuck is it? Like, what's this guy? It was the non sequitur Jason placement in the middle of the metal show. I'm like, out here to stand, he my man. He didn't have like a tambourine in his hand or nothing like that? No? no, he just stood there and ominously looked at the people playing on the wow. stage. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I just fucking started rolling. Like, Sarah's sitting next to me like... So you dropped some ecstasy? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I just started rolling. I'm at the OC fair. I'm watching a metal band with a bunch of weird people. I need to roll right now. <laughs> you, you, you turned into your own electric daisy carnival over there. Yeah. Yes, yes. I want to give Jason the back rub. <laughs> Jason, we've hung out, but we haven't really, you know, yes. hung out. Okay. So, yeah, it was, it was this really weird thing where Jason was just standing there for no apparent reason. <laughs> nice. Just standing there staring at people, and I thought it was one of the funniest things I ever saw in my life. Uh, much, like, much like Kiss, you know, it's all about the onstage persona. It's not so much, you know, what they're showing out, but, you know, it's, it's what's going on at that concert at that moment. You know? Right, so, right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, uh, that sounds like a similar time to when, like, I saw the band Spanking Machine. And, uh, <laughs> was wow. this at Das Bunker? Uh, wow. No, it was at the gig in, uh, in uh, Hollywood, and we were sticking around because there was a band called Carbon 9, which we had heard great things about, who were awesome, by the way. Oh. But this band's spanking machine was, uh, well, I mean, they, they, were, they were all right. Um, they were into sort of like gothic dark wave or whatever. Wouldn't figure that was spanking machine. <laughs> yeah, the lead singer was like this like two hundred pound dominatrix or something like that. Ooh, nice. And then uh, then like the uh, drummer was uh, and we I always pictured her name was Dominique Spanking. And then <laughs> like the drummer seemed to be the other co like you know leader of the group. And I always thought his name was like Hans Machine. And that's where they got the name <laughs> spanking, spanking machine. They just took their last names like oh no it sounds clever. It's like no it's just our last name Spanking Dominique Spanking and Hans Machine. It's like uh, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. And then they had this Van Halen. Uh, yeah, they had this. Uh, they had this girl on stage who uh, was like she. She was started off as a ballerina, like a ballerina, like in a music box or whatever. And the first song, she just sort of dances around. Then the second song, she looks at her outfit and she's just disgusted. Then she cuts her outfit off or whatever. And I think she might have been naked or mostly naked at one point. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, I thought there were permits against that, but that's kind of hot. <laughs> and then uh, then she starts putting on goth clothes, and at the end, she's like all dressed in like you know black latex and fishnets and everything. Everything like that, and it was like so. Whoa. She kind of evolved, unlike yeah. the Jason character who I right. saw who entered the stage as Jason and left right. the stage as Jason. Yeah, and I was like, I thought to myself, wow, that's a pretty good stage show. And then Carbon Nine came on and totally blew their stage show away because they had robots and dwarves and this whole concept of man becoming cyborg, and you know they had videos and all this other crap. If you get a chance to see like the full show of Carbon Nine in the Los Angeles area, check them out because it's amazing. Oh. Now, Buck, we never tried to do that as a band. There was never at any point where I think, because uh, those of you who don't know, Buck and I played in a band for many years. Buck played bass. I played the uh, rhythm guitar and did a little of uh, something close to singing. <laughs> and uh, we, we played many, many shows, probably like 50 shows or something, 60. I have no idea. Right. But, um, but we, <laughs> we played for a long time in many different places. But I don't think at any point we ever tried to bring up any kind of horror show shit or anybody doing... So, no Jason dude just standing there. No. no stripping ballerina. No. No robots. No. No cyborgs. No. No dwarves. Four white dudes. Any chicks in there? Like, just token chick for no apparent reason? Uh, we tried to have a chick keyboard player. It didn't, didn't work out. <laughs> it's always the chicks on the keyboard, too. Yeah, that was right before Buck joined. But, um, mm. yeah, so it's kind of weird. 
I, actually, when I first joined, you wanted me to be the, the chick keyboard player, and I, I squashed that. <laughs> the funny. Like, any other spots? Male bass player? Yeah, I'll take that one. But, oh. Yeah, you wanted me as a female keyboard player. The funny thing was the first show we ever played, we were playing at this big joint in Pomona, and we were opening for, I guess it was like Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addictions. So there like, was like 80 pounds of marijuana in this joint? Or? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's like, a big joint. In, in our big joint. <laughs> in our band, most likely. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we, we went to go play our first show, and we had uh, it was uh, we had a keyboard. We brought in a keyboard player. It was one of the guys from Dios Malos, and uh, he was playing keyboard with us. And it was the funniest thing because we arrived at the show, and it was awesome because evidently Buck raided my closet before going on stage. Oh yes, this is back in the roommate days. Yeah. Yeah, this was like it was so funny because I you know you know when you got a show coming up, you, you kind of want to doll yourself up a bit. And then I looked. I, we we arrived at the venue because Buck and I took separate cars, and Buck had on. This is at this point. This was like hip shit to wear. It was like a polyester shirt with like anime characters on it. It was oh, dope, boy. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw that shirt again after you wore it because I think you took it into your wardrobe. And if you have it at home... You want it back? Yeah, it was like I think I bought it. It was like during my rave days. It was, it was some clothing. And I have pictures of it. It's and Buck. It was awesome because it was like the first time Buck had ever played live and you played with your back to the audience. I was scared. Oh, wow. I, I was, I was no, scared. Scary. Yeah, it was a scary night. Yeah. That's but like, Kip, that's like cool. Jim Morrison in the Doors exactly. movie. He's sung with his back to the audience the entire night. His first gig. But not for the bass player. Yeah. Yeah, no one really gives a shit when you're playing bass with the back to him. Yeah. Well, Buck, Buck just don't want anybody stealing his riffs. <laughs> right. That's what it was. Buck was, was doing some I was laying shit. it down so hard. I'm just like, fuck that. Yeah, screw you, Les Claypool. Not privy to this. Right. Yeah, that was pretty big. It was the first show you ever played with us, and we're playing. Yeah. We're opening for like, yeah, that was scary. Brian Bell from Weezer's other band, and like Stephen Perkins' side project. Who's Stephen Perkins? Uh, Jane's Addiction. Oh yes, and Banyan, and a couple. He's played in a couple big bands. Yeah, he, he's known in drum communities. But anyway, getting on to our topic. Oh yes, I was uh, hanging out with some of my woman's friends the other day. And uh, we were at their place, and their roommate, and, the, and Sarah's friends, their neighbors always come over whenever we're drinking. So I was like, uh, where are your neighbors? Because I always have a good time with them. Like, the chick's kind of bubbly and cute, and the guy's a really laid-back guy. And they're like, oh, uh, they're out of town. I was like, okay, they're on vacation. Where'd they go? You know? And they're like, not on vacation. They went out of town for an investment opportunity. Hmm. So I thought immediately timeshare. Like timeshare. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Something like that. But... Uh, <laughs> And then she drops this one on me. They're thinking about investing in alpacas. Yeah. And that's like a country somewhere? What is what is that? Oh, no. It's, it's kind of like a llama. Yeah. And this sounds kind of like the worst investment one could make. Like if you had like five grand, three grand, and you're thinking about putting it into something, you know, I'm, I'm thinking alpaca farming isn't the first thing I'm going to run to in terms of like, it's, it's time to get rich. I, like I want to well, make some cash. Well, I mean, at least alpaca farming, there's like a good there that you can like sell off. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I mean, that's the problem. It's like it, like pretty much any investment opportunity, you know, from scam to accepted, you can make money and you can also lose a ton of money. But it's like some things are just more well accepted, like the stock market, you know, people are like, oh, you know, you got to invest money, you got to put it in the stock market. And it's like, okay, I'll take I'll take $5,000 and I'll invest it in the stock. And people are like, okay, cool. But and then my alpaca is barren. Well, <laughs> my alpaca can't make babies. Well, then but, I'm just screwed. When I'm but you know what happens in the stock market often? It's like, okay, you invest $5,000 in the stock market. You're like, oh, good news, Mr. Perry. Your $5,000 is now worth $1,000. Like, 
So I lost $4,000 in the stock market. Yes, but you need to ride it out. So, <laughs> but at least with alpacas, you're like, well, I could go feed the alpaca, and maybe I can try and make it, you know, mate. Yeah. Like There's got to be that weird moment, because, you know, if you're the guy selling the alpacas, yes, it, it means that obviously you're not going to make any money off that alpaca. Because if you were going to make money off that alpaca... You'd be keeping them. Then you'd be keeping that alpaca. Right, yeah. Well, So if I'm buying the alpaca, then you got to go up there and you have to have your kind of pimp to hoe conversation with the alpaca. You'd be like, yo, alpaca. And it's like... like you need to get to fucking... You need to bring me some money, bitch. Yeah. Well, I think the problem with uh, alpaca farming is the fact that it takes a lot of time. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's the thing. It's like, oh, you're just like part-time alpaca farmer. They only require like two hours of effort a week or whatever. I don't think it quite works that way. Yeah. I know someone who is an ostrich farmer, actually. Really? He, yeah. Had ostriches. Had herds of ostriches or in the family. Yeah. That was one of the things. They made money off that, but not much, you know? With, with, okay. So they just made a, a moderate amount. Have you ever had an ostrich burger, by the way? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Actually, quite good. Yeah. Underrated. That good. was like an early 90s thing. That was like a Ross Perot era like food, where it's like foodies would be really into the ostrich meat. I was they're still there late nineties and early two thousands. The only problem with the ostrich burger, a little dry. Yeah, I thought so. Buffalo, I thought was better. Yeah, buffalo burger, quite tasty. That just sounds wrong eating buffalo. <laughs> what do you think buffaloes are here for, Todd? Well, I'm part American Indian, and it kind of offends me. And as well, long as you eat the whole thing, pray over the heart, you do all this shit, then you, you know, then that that's. Well, I would assume right. at the buffalo processing plant that they're using most of the buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got to wear some of the fur of the buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys ever gotten involved or thought about? Because I, I was thinking the other day that. Uh, when I worked at Sears, and I've told this story before on the former show we were on, that I worked with a lady named Marina, and she had some of the greatest advice to me that I've ever heard. She said, Todd, you got to have four hustles in life. And I was like, well, I've got one hustle, meaning my, my day job <laughs> as yeah. a writer. And then I, I thought to myself, I need to have, now I had two hustles earlier. And uh, this this podcast successful. We have a lot of downloaders. Everything's great, but um, I don't see anybody making any money off it yet. This is not a hustle, and we unless unless to. we're getting hustled by ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm hustling Buck. Buck's hustling John, and John's hustling me, and we're both hustling Buck. That's what's going on. Yeah. Who who knows? It's like those weird, you know. It's like get shorty. Who's hustling who? But she said you have to have four hustles. So I was like, man, I got to up the amount of hustles I have in my life right now because I only have one. And Buck, you have two hustles because you got, you got two jobs. Yeah. Right? And John, you have... Two jobs currently. So you have two hustles. Yeah. So I... But I need hustles with that require less time commitment, basically. <laughs> Outsourcing the hustle, I think. Yeah. So I, I'm looking for my next hustle, essentially. Yeah. And before, I tried one hustle on eBay a while back. Oh, what was the hustle? Well, you know, one time I was talking to a friend who was from England, mm. Hong Kong, actually, when it was English, and she said to me, she goes, you know, whenever I came to America, the thing that I loved most was, as a child, was I would go down the aisle, and there would be aisle, a whole aisle of cereal. Like, you could buy cereal from, you know, there's just every type of cereal, and when you go to Hong Kong and go to other countries, you know, they maybe have, like, you know... Count Chocula, and that's it. That, that's all you get. The entire country is on Count Chocula or you, Gorilla Munch at yeah. Trader Joe's. You, be, you better friggin' like chocolate pebbles. 
I never bought Gorilla Munch because I always figured if I'm eating, waking up for breakfast, I don't want anything that remotely tastes like Gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> or something that could rip your face off like a Gorilla. <laughs> rip your balls, the whole bit. Yeah. Maybe Silverback Crunch might be nice <laughs> with some Frankenberries. But, and, and so I thought to myself, you know what would be awesome? I bet there's a lot of Americans who are overseas, maybe fighting in foreign wars or you know anybody with expendable income. And I figured maybe if I sold on eBay... If I basically exported cereal via eBay, eBay. yeah, because I figured if I was stuck in you know Timbuktu doing my job writing, right, <laughs> that maybe I would want some American cereal. So I put up a whole bunch of different cereals, and then I would the the money making thing was I was going to gouge people on delivery, right? Because who knows how much it costs to fucking you know throw some cereal out there, and if you have a cereal Jones, you need your shit. You know, it's like crack. See, this is where everyone goes wrong. They're like, they're like, oh, I'll do this. And how can I scam people out of money? There's always has to be that little extra thing where it's like there has to be a scam element in there. Well, so I put up this stuff on eBay. Yeah. And I put up all these different cereals. I put up Frosted Flakes. Maybe I, I erred in putting up my favorites. Right? I put up Fruit Loops, mm-hmm. which are great, although they rip up the top of your mouth. You know, and I, I did all this stuff, and I, maybe there's stoners across the sea that want some good fucking American cereal because that we do cereal best. Right. We're getting better with cars. We really aced it on cereal, and so, but I, I completely failed, and um, I lost about three dollars, and because uh, I was going <laughs> to buy the cereal after somebody bought it. Oh, okay. You know, and so it didn't work out. But uh, that was my attempt to get rich quick. I thought I had a niche on this market. And evidently, it didn't. You work essentially out. did Webvan and realized three dollars in that it was a bad business model, as opposed to dumping ten million dollars into delivering groceries locally and then realizing that no one wants to buy groceries that way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So it was a failed attempt at uh, make, making a little money, adding a yeah. hustle to my thing. Just to merge the two, alpaca cereal. Oh, like gorilla munch. Like gorilla munch, right? Alpaca but- munch. I figured that would be an easy flavor to replicate because no one really knows what alpaca tastes like. That's what I'm saying. Like. Yeah. Probably like chicken. I'm saying strawberry. Throw a little <laughs> strawberry in there. What would the color be? Because you know, blueberry. <laughs> you know when you have like the cereal and like you know cherry is red. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't even matter. It probably tastes exactly the same as the purple fucking thing in the Fruit Loops, but because it, it's a different color, your mind your perceives mind, yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like alpaca. I'm just thinking of like the furriness and the hairiness of the alpaca. Maybe some kind of, I don't know, blonde-colored cereal that you can't really, if you have poor eyesight, you can't distinguish it from milk. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that would be another failed hustle. Yeah. No, yeah. You got to work on that. John, you ever, uh, you ever try to get involved in a get-rich-quick scheme? You ever, <laughs> ever join Amway, anything like that? Uh, too many to count, honestly. Because <laughs> you're, you're always with this. You're like, oh, well, man, there's this great, because well, you're honestly, always really into like the sketchy marketers and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, they're, they're not necessarily, well, sketchy marketers, yes, but also the good marketers, too. The mar- like, uh, I believe it was uh, the late, great Gary Halbert who was talking about, you know, how much money he made, and he had a great quote, and he's like, look. You know, he's like, I've made a lot of money and I've lost a lot of money. He's like, you know, he's like, people who've lost a lot of money, they all have one thing in common. They all made a lot of money too, unless they inherited it or whatever. And he's like, he's like, I, he's like, look, I spend a lot of my money intelligently on things like booze, drugs, wild women, incredibly fast and dangerous boats, and businesses that were so ridiculously ill-conceived that they had no chance in the world of making money. Click here and you can do so also. Right. He's like, and he's like, I also spent a lot of my money foolishly on things like food, clothing, shelter, medicine, and the like. 
And I love that quote because I think he's right in a lot of ways. Because uh, have you ever noticed like these serious articles on how to become a millionaire? And they're like, it's here's always what like, you do. Save this amount of money yeah, per month. It's like, invested in this. save $50 a month. Give up your coffee or your booze or whatever. And when you're 62 and ready to die, you'll have a million dollars in the bank. It's like, well, that's freaking great. Who the hell cares? You know? <laughs> You know, honestly, uh, there has to be like some medium in between. And it's it's always it's always about like sacrifice and uh, sacrifice and scraping and skimping or whatever. And that's kind of not the point, because, you know, great, you'll have a million dollars by the time you're ready to drop dead and money isn't going to do you any good anyway. Right. You know, or it's going to be way overinflated and not worth anything. Exactly. Buck, you ever try to get involved in a get-rich-quick scheme? Anybody ever try to scam you or you, you thinking about – because, again, you, you guys you guys are two to one. You guys are beating me on the Jamaican hustle scale. So <laughs> yeah. where, where are you at, Buck? Right. No, I don't, I don't think I've ever invested too much in anything, really. Right. Not even my own photography or anything like that. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. But, no, it's uh, – Buck is a professional I, photographer. I remember back in the day uh, trying to be – put into a pyramid scheme even back then oh yeah i didn't have a lot of money to you know throw around but um it was actually a family member that was trying to get me into to invest money in this thing and i was just like at one point i looked at him like are you are you really serious you're asking me to you know invest on this when i don't know how people invest in that thing anything pyramid wise and try and make money back from it you know well the, the funny thing is that he's a family member and usually when one guy's yeah. down and out and has wasted his money on a bad investment, right. he goes to his family members in order to bump money off him. Yeah. Right? So you're like, wait a minute. So if you screw me out of cash, then I got to come back to you and try to bump money back off of you. Right. And then after that, you're already invested in a fucking fucked up stupid scam. Right. So we all lose. So it's, he's almost trying to like, he's playing Fredo basically. Like he's trying to, this man. He's, Buck, trying, tried, to God, he's trying to godfather me. Yeah. Trying to ruin you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's a cousin I don't keep in contact with, so yeah, it's all right. Oh, it's always that weird cousin yeah, you haven't yeah, seen in like, five years. Like, exactly. As we're cutting the turkey, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I actually, there was a time when I actually made like a little money on like Google AdWords and such. Oh. You know, like, I mean, well, you can, obviously you can make money on Google AdWords and AdSense if you have like, you know, legitimate traffic or business. But yeah, it's like you can like sign up for affiliate programs and make some money on those. And I have made some money, but never enough to like, you know, it was like over the course of like three months, I made like two or three hundred dollars. Right. You know, which is, that's cool. That's a lot more money than some have made, but that's not enough to subsist on yeah. or whatever. I guess the, the funny thing in, in, in the end of trying to get rich in a get rich scheme, it's, it's it always costs you way, it all, at least until you find like the one that actually hits, it always costs you way more than you'll get back. Right. It's kind of like being a venture capitalist. VC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once in a generation, a love story so profound blossoms between two people man woman their bond is eternal and there are many chapters on the road to bliss now todd's wife to be sarah shares an intimate moment one of the most unsexiest things i've ever seen in regards to my future fiance todd has to do with a Sunday morning, I had slept the, or stayed the night, excuse me, at his place in Long Beach. Um, 
woke up in the morning and we were talking in bed and I said, Todd, can you go get me some coffee? Can you go make some coffee? So I said, okay. So Todd got up, he had boxer shorts on and I noticed something was kind of hanging out of the back of his boxer shorts. And I thought, well, what is that? And I said, Todd, what is that? What do you have underneath your boxer shorts? And he's like, oh, I don't know. So he takes off his boxer shorts and underneath he had two other pairs of underwear. So he had three pairs of underwear on basically. And I said, well, why do you have three pairs of underwear on? And his explanation was that he just must have forgot that he had some on when he got dressed in the morning. And so he just put another pair on, which I think is amazing because I always realize I have underwear on. Everybody I know who's who's an artist, I've, I've I've had this conversation with them. It's like if you're going to create something, if you're going to make art, eventually, at the end, the point is most of the time, if you're an artist versus somebody who's doing something creative and trying to entertain people, the difference is what's your point? You're yeah. an artist. What do you want to tell the world? Like really, and most of the people who are artists that I've talked to don't have a clear answer on that. It's like if you know if you have a megaphone and you're speaking to the entire world, what do you want to tell them? And it's the same thing with the get rich quick scheme. So you get all this money, what the hell are you going to do with it? It's like uh, what what's the pulp line? What's the point in being rich if you don't know what to do with it? That's very true. You know, so like and and I've had this same question internally about the podcast. It's like if I get if I get hundreds, thousands of people listening to us, what's the point if we're just telling dick jokes or it's like it's it's nice to entertain people. You know, but you start thinking to yourself, what's some kind of artistic, not artistic, but a kind of positive note you're trying to give the world? You're taking up a lot of people's time, but you're not telling them anything. Well, you know? see, here's the, well, I mean, what would you tell them? I honestly think that CNN is a complete waste of like a 24-hour network. And here's I why. Agree. Because, you know, they're telling, like, they're reporting the news in theory. But honestly, have you ever watched CNN and taken anything away with, oh, I, you know, because of X, I can go out and do Y? I don't think it really helps. And especially if their story is like, oh, Natalie Holloway got murdered in, you know, in uh, the Caribbean or whatever. White like that. chick got murdered by black people. Yeah. Essentially, or, it's like, or it's, whatever it's a scary, is. Scary. It's a scary. If, it's if, designed if, to scare you. And you know what? It's like, I'm not in the Caribbean. I couldn't have helped her out. You know, it's like, I have, no, I have no plans to go to the Caribbean, so this isn't really affecting me. You should have plans to go to the Caribbean, but, though. Well, maybe, you, but, you, you know. Did, I, you did know you're on Vandersloot, though. You could have helped her out. Well, I didn't know. No, no, okay, so, that, so that's the point. It's like, you know what? It's like, it's, it's news that it's like, basically, it's stuff. It, they're like, well, it's serious because it makes you feel bad. Like, really? Really? <laughs> you know? As opposed to uh, get like, you know, give me some practical news of something that I could use in my daily life. And it's like every time, and like, you know, even like uh, anytime I'll see like an article like that on Yahoo, it's always just crap. Basically, it's always yeah. crap. Oh, yeah. It's all, it's all complete nonsense. And it, mostly yeah. I, I've actually and stopped I th- watching most like cable yeah. news because all it is is sensationalism. And this dumb bimbo Republican chick said something crazy and 
everybody's commenting on it. You know, it's Sarah Palin right. said something crazy. Michelle Bachman said something crazy. Yeah. Uh, Al Sharpton said something crazy. But it's the same thing. It's like they're like, you know, it's like Republic, like, you know, it's like Republican bimbo saying like stupid stuff. And then people in the Democratic Party saying same stupid stuff. Right. And it's like, it doesn't really matter. It's like, you know what? It's like what it comes down to. It's like, you know, Republicans want big government. Democrats want big government. Democrats just want to waste money on welfare. Republicans want to waste money on wars, except Democrats right. will then expand the wars. <laughs> that's the that's job the, of the Democratic Party. Yeah, that's it. Take I, a bad Republican idea and expand it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what it <laughs> Make is. Make it bigger. Yes. I, I even like, you know, it's like a big debt, like, you know, a big supporter of the Democratic Party that we know, a guy we know, both know named Rob. It's like after, you know, Obama got elected, he's like, he's like, you know, everyone's like happy. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, it's, he's going to expand one of the wars, though. He's like, that's what Democrats always do. Yeah. Republicans start the wars and Democrats expand them. Well, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, I think maybe, uh, it's that moment where, uh, you know, John F. Kennedy's like kind of looking into Vietnam and he's going, Eisenhower, I like what you're doing, but I'd like to raise you too. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put this more like in to here. kick it up a notch. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, as Democrats, as a card-carrying member of the Democratic Party, I would say, first of all, our first joy is in protesting the war the Republicans are trying to create. Then, oh. our, then our second joy is then making it larger. But uh, <laughs> so it certainly seems to be the way of things. Right. Well, but, but no, the funny thing is talking about the news, we've gotten a little wildly off topic, but I want to mention this. Uh, the other day, troops left Iraq. Oh, we're getting into politics. Oh, ugly. But uh, well, I mean, if you're just if you're just stating facts, yes, troops did leave Iraq. Yes. But here's the interesting thing. I was at my local 7-Eleven and I was looking at the news things and I was looking at the newspapers and USA Today, the cover story was something completely stupid. Like, like it was, what? It was like some pop culture thing. It was, you know, I don't know. It was some complete, something completely mindless. And there was like five newspapers. None. There was only one with on the cover said like troops leave Iraq. And I was like, wow. Talk about like the state of the modern newspaper and the modern news where it's like, actually, troops are leaving Iraq. That's a big story regardless of where you stand on the war yeah. or whatever. That's a huge. It's a landmark. Yeah. That's a landmark in American history. And it goes out with a whimper. Yeah. You know, it's right behind a lot the, of wars do. It's right yeah. behind the Kardashian sisters feuding with each other. Yeah, yeah I mean, one yeah. of them posed naked for PETA, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, well, but yeah, that's that's the funny thing. That's one of the reasons why, like, the news and stuff. Like, I, I I'll, I'll read news stories online, and then I will watch Charlie Rose at night because I actually go in depth about an issue that that's being fought about without going into all like the the most of the Fox, MSNBC, and CNN are all basically like um, TMZ, or oh, yeah. it's like watching extra. You know, you watch, like, Extra Entertainment Tonight. They're basically you know, the Entertainment Tonight of politics. I remember, like, Entertainment Tonight when I was, like, you know, 15 or so. And it actually seemed like, you know, they had a show there about entertainment. And then, like, I didn't watch it forever. And then, like, about two or three years ago, I, for whatever reason, ended up watching an entire Entertainment Tonight. And, you know, they have, like, the bit at the beginning. They're like, on tonight's Entertainment Tonight. And they break down all the things they're going to do. Right. I don't know how they did it, but in that 30 minutes... They said everything in the promo. Like, if you watched the promo, you knew as much, if not more, than what you did after watching the 30-minute show. There was no right. point in watching it. It was, I, I, and I, like, there was literally nothing in the show that wasn't in the promo, and I don't know how they did it. And I think that's the way it is every single show for every one of those freaking shows now. Well, it's the same thing if you watch VH1 programming. Like, let's oh, yeah. say you're watching a Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. At the beginning of the show... Which I don't. They... Can we can we change shows? Uh, Real Chance of Love. Can we watch that instead? Yeah. Oh, I love Real that. Chance of yeah. Yeah. But but same like Real Chance of Love. Yes. Okay. Chance and real. Well, I I, I quite love. 
The Stallionaires. Yeah. But they show you everything that's going to happen at the beginning of the show. Yeah. It's like some chick slaps another chick. And at the promo, at the beginning of the show, they show some chick slapping another chick. Yeah. And then right before the commercial break of the first half, you haven't seen it happen yet, but they show it again like it's going to happen next. And then right. you watch the next thing. So the funny thing is you've already seen the money shot of the show. That right. They keep teasing. Yeah. The point is, it's like, I think somebody's going to get slapped and they don't show it. But obviously they've figured out that if you can tease something by fucking showing it, <laughs> people are going to watch, right? Because these, these guys are smart who are producing this stuff because people it watch it. must work, yeah. You know? But yeah, it's, it's always funny. It's like celebrity rehab. They show you everything that's going to happen that's interesting in the beginning, and then you sit and wait for it to happen. Right. So, you know, so where's the moment? Yeah. They, 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 they blow their load. It's like watching a porno where the guy blows his, blows his load at the beginning, and then you wait and you go, how did it happen? <laughs> 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 I'm unsure. How, how, how so is this possible? Usually it's intercourse, but who knows? Maybe it was a TF. I don't know. Not sure. Yes. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we'd like to thank everybody. Maybe we should, for this show, we should put the clips up of the, the entertaining moments at the front of the show, and yeah, the people yeah, can yeah. wait for it to happen. There you yeah, go. Exactly. But we'd like to thank everybody for showing up and uh, subscribing on iTunes and for leaving comments to the show and all that great stuff. Uh, we are Far Out Podcast. And uh, we're going to keep doing this once a week, every Wednesday for everybody. So everybody keep showing up. We'll keep making shows. And hopefully we're entertaining anybody. Uh, comments, anything, throw it up on the website at faroutpodcast.com. Buck Perez, it's been a real pleasure working with you today. Thank you. John Salwin, it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, I'm on. And you guys have a nice week. And uh, as always, keep the faith. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The doors closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard, the eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. Ich sag gute Nacht. And I said good night. Schon leuchtet ein Stern. Yes, I see the light. Die Sonne geht schlafen, der Tag ist vorbei. When Uncle Satchmo sings his lullaby, Baba Ich träume von dir, and I dream of you. Bleib immer mein Bruder. Yes, I do.